0: Welcome to Disrupting Japan. Straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. You guys are awesome. I've got to admit, that, that is the exact response I hear in my head every time I say that phrase. Before we get to the kanpai, there's and to the panel discussion proper, there, there's a few people I really want to thank who, without them, I couldn't have put this show together. Um, the first of which is Crew, <clears throat> Crew with two Ws. And what Crew does is they run about 80% of the corporate accelerators in Japan. So if your startup wants to hook up with a large corporation, or you've got a big company you want to hook up with a startup, you need to talk to Crew. And Segawa-san's hanging around somewhere. Where's Segawa-san? Wave. I can't see you from up here, so there he is in the back. Also, so talk to sagawa san and also crew is opening a new co-working collaboration space to help startups connect with enterprises. It's just up the street. Second, I want to give a big shout out to the Carter Group, and Dominic Carter is here somewhere himself. There's Dominic over there. And so for those of you who have done business in Japan, which is pretty much everyone here, uh, you know, the things never quite work out as you expect them to, and the Carter Group provides market intelligence and market research that help companies grow their business here or come here in the first place. Um, and their processes and their prices are extremely startup friendly. So if you want to grow your business here, talk to Dominic. And last, but certainly not least, I want to give a big shout out to Digital Hub. Now, you'll see these guys running around with cameras and microphones documenting this for all of posterity. Uh, don't talk to the guys with the cameras. But they also do some great uh, co- great corporate video work. So if you're looking for video and who isn't these days, talk to Steve, who is over there. So let's have a big round for these guys. So... Um, I'd like everyone to raise their glasses and uh, thank you guys so much for being with me for three years and over 100 episodes and uh, I hope you come along with me for the next 100 episodes in the next three years thank you so much Kompai. Cheers, Cheers. Yeah. All right now, we get to the meat of the show. Um, now I want to introduce the panel myself, because I know these guys, if I just let you talk about your companies, you're going to use up all the time. <laughs> so on my far left is Shin Sakane of Seven Dreamers, and they have been one of the most uh, innovative and aggressively exporting hardware companies in Japan. You, you've done everything from carbon fiber golf shafts to a medical device that fits in the nose for some reason, but you're most known for the Laundroid laundry folding robot, which you're releasing overseas in Japan at about the same time. Right. Uh, in the center is Ken Tamagawa of Soracom, who makes extremely affordable and flexible connectivity for Internet of Things and Connected Devices, and who is in the process of selling his company to KDDI. Nothing's been officially launched, but it's been leaked all over creation. (laughs) And on my my immediate left is uh, Takumo Iwasa of Cerevo, who is one of the most innovative device makers in Japan and one of the leaders in the maker space here and I would say you've got one of the most interesting models for Global expansion that I've ever heard of so let's hear it for the panel (laughs) So first and foremost I want to talk about going global so in all of your cases the the global market has been extremely important to you. Um, how soon in like your company history did you decide to go global, and why did you do it at that time and uh, shin let's let's start with you yeah um, we
1: have three products, and two of them are already launched so um my strategy, our strategy is initially um, start marketing in Japan. Japan, Japanese market is one of the I shouldn't say easiest, but really kind of warmest. It's the nicest <laughs> marketplace I, I I ever think. So if we cannot be successful in Japan, uh, don't you know? Forget about global expansion. So just like we test market in Japan, and once we you know found it successful, and immediately. Go global. That, that's our strategy.
0: So basically, as soon as you find that that product market fit, you'll you'll take it global. Right. Right. Okay.
1: It's about like one year or a little bit less than one year after we launched in Japan that we
0: just go global. And do you think the Japanese market is easy because you're Japanese, or is there something kind of unique about the market that makes it easy? Um, so
1: good thing about Japanese market is. Um, I think um, maybe I, I skip this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're gonna come back to that question. <laughs> Ken, how about you? You took a different route, but the international markets yeah, are yeah, actually really important. You know, uh, let me talk about my
2: background. So I used to work for Amazon Web Services, AWS. So I really like the business model kind of you know, global platform business. So when we started Soracom, you know, we wanted to make you know naturally global platform, right? So um, when we started the company, actually, I, you know, uh, registered the uh, entity in the Delaware first. Right. Yeah. Then, you know, we tried to fundraise money, but we couldn't, right? So, you know, kind of like a switch to the Japanese company. And, you know, what I, I actually understand is, you know, what you know, our team has as the you know unfair advantage is, you know, kind of like a Japanese market. Because I knew a lot of people, you know, of the VCs and you know also the many, many CIO, CTO of the companies. So kind of you know, we changed our strategy. You know, first we start, you know, Japanese company, right? Then, you know, after we kind of demonstrated our product strength you know immediately we started you know expanding our business to the global so we started our business in 2015 september then you know uh last year 2016 december we
0: started a business in the u.s then you know eu so it sounds like it's pretty much the same strategy as soon as you validated the product exactly you you went overseas um why why was that important because so many Japanese companies are Japan-focused, it's much uh-huh. easier, and it is a <coughs> very big market. Because you know,
2: uh, uh, if we kind of demonstrated our product is really good, you know, somebody might you know copy our business, right? But before you know others doing that, we want to go global. And also, if you look at the technology like AWS and other you know uh, smartphone and you know platforms. No, it's not that difficult to go global in terms of like a technology right
0: true the going global on the technical for the technology to go global and the company going global are mm-hmm. really different yeah and um actually let's talk about that in a minute because uh before then takuma can you why don't you explain your your global strategy because mm-hmm. i think it's it's a very interesting one
3: yeah i, I just in this time just i understood why i Invite here, <laughs> so because of my company, I have to uh, explain about my company's very curious strategy. Because uh, every hard- startup company is focusing the mass market or future mass market. Roundroid uh, is same as it's. Uh, I think the second product is a future, the washing machine or future the something. So, but the, my company doesn't focus the, any mass, the mass mass market. The, our product is a really niche product, but the. I worked in Panasonic for years, and uh, Panasonic is really focusing to the, the consumer market. And that style was very tough for me and very tough for the Japanese startup companies. That's why the Japanese startup company doesn't have not so much, not so huge money compared to the Silicon Valley. Then I changed my company's strategy to the global niche. That means we are the cutting, no, not cutting, just slicing very, very the team, the users in India, in US, in UK, and Japan, like this.
0: And, and you've developed a lot of very, well, like you say, global niche. So yep. things like smart snowboard bindings yes. and uh, streaming video that clips onto video cameras yep. over Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and, and just this huge, and, and uh, strange anime-connected... Gun-looking yeah, things. That, I don't Dominator. know what it's called. You know, Dominator. My, Dominator. That was it. <laughs> oh,
3: raise your hands. Anyone knows Dominator? Oh, red small guy, small quantities. So, us see the anime. The name is Psychopaths. But this. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: But this is interesting. I mean, right. you were saying that. So uh, Shin and Ken were saying that they find product market fit in Japan first and then go global. But it sounds like what you're saying is that you didn't get that much interest in Japan and you got greater interest overseas. Yeah,
3: that's why the. Today, so the news media is very, very important for the startup company. And our, our product is a hardware with service or with uh, applications. So hardware is just the unveil of the hardware. The news will be automatically running all over the world, just only 24 hours or 48 hours. So that's why we launch uh, unveiled our product in Las Vegas or in uh, some Europe countries. Then the, the, the date is uh, only one X day. Then the, the news value is lazing down every day. So that's why we the launch
0: product to global, same day. So do you think that the global media is more interested in novel, unusual products than the Japanese media is?
3: Um, yeah, it, it's same as, but the, from my vision. So U.S.-based and China-based media is much more, how to say, aggressive to picking up the curious product, or a whole new product. OK. Interesting. A- and also, the, here is a Tokyo, Japan. It's, anyone comes from the Tokyo's media company? No? No? Oh, that's great. Because There's a handful. Of, oh, oh, that's very difficult. I can't find him, OK? Because, uh, <laughs> the Japanese media guys is very carefully checking global media. Once picking up the TechCrunch or Venture Beat articles, quickly writing to translate to the Japanese media. So that's why uh, we launched a
0: product in global. So when you, get the, when you get the U.S. media, the Japanese media kind of comes along for free. Excellent. Good to know.
2: Yeah.
0: Sorry, uh, 20%
3: joking, right?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it's working for you pretty well. <laughs> but, but getting media attention and getting that technical product market fit is very different from running a market entry to actually making sales overseas. So, like, Ken, you were mentioning particularly, like your software runs on AWS, you can deploy it into any market in the world in an hour, maybe less. But what, how did you go about building up the business? What advice do you have for Japanese companies who need to go overseas and need to build those international teams? Yeah that's uh, actually what we are working on right now. So, you know, in
2: Japan kind of you know, we had an unfair advantage, like you know, we our team is kind of like a popular in the you know, crowd market and you know, uh we have like a many evangelists in right. our team.
0: You have all the connections you right. Got. Yeah. Right. But uh in the
2: US and in the EU, you know, we we are nothing, right? <laughs> Nobody knows Socom. So, you know, right now we are working on the more like, you know, bottom-up, you know, bottom-up marketing, kind of, you know. We have a free workshop and, you know, uh, many, many developers are joining our workshop. And then, actually, uh, we try to have them touch our technology. Then, if they like it, you know, they're going to write about the blogs and, you know, they are. so that's kind of like a, bo- you know, grassroots marketing type of thing.
0: So, I mean, but even to do grassroots is a lot of work. So have you been focusing on, say, customer outreach from a team in Japan? Did you hire Mm -hmm. local teams in each market? How did you go about it? Yeah, I mean, uh, we we do that. I mean, that's kind of, you
2: know, uh, we say our technology is like a super global in in, in terms of running on the AWS and, you know, kind of a software technology. But uh, sales and marketing, you know, need to be super local. So we hire the people in the U.S. We hire people in EU. I mean Denmark, you know, Estonia, France,
0: you know, all so, over the world. And, so as a U.S. team, it's all a U.S. team, or exactly is there, okay. So it is super local. Mm-hmm. Um, Shin, what, what what are you guys doing? Like in order to, you know, expand
1: the market globally, it's simply, we just repeat the same thing as what we've done in Japan. So, for example, when we when we expand the business in Europe, uh, all you know, all you need to do is a very you know simple, just like establish a company in in EU, one of the countries. We we chose France just because of the the food and wine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to go to the place where the, the food is not good, but anyways, no, we we chose US. <laughs> well
0: well U S. Well, the so EU is of... so Britain is already Brexited, <laughs> so that was kind
1: of yeah. So we chose Paris. Um, and then we just establish a company there, and then we just hire, um, you know, the corporate president, uh, you know, the company president, area leader, and then just expand the same thing. And we just, you know, uh, register a company in in Silicon Valley, in Shanghai. It's just we do, we do what we've done in Japan.
0: So how much, for example, how much freedom and independence do the different units have versus how much do they work together. So the, the Laundroid, I mean, all the technology is here in Japan, but it's a lot of making strategic alliances, uh, it's a lot of sales work. So do you customize for every market you go into, or do you have kind of a coordinated strategy that's
1: global? Yeah, good, good point. That The technology development wise, we're not big enough to really you know, customize the product in each country. So. All the product development are done in Japan, but we try to make it like global, like standard, um, you know, um, kind of product. And then, so what we focus in each region um, is the marketing, and PR, and sales. So we hire uh, someone uh, like a leader who is very knowledgeable about the PR, marketing, and sales in each country and then let him hire uh, whoever he wants to hire, and then create a team.
0: Okay, so your efforts are really customized and independent in each market. Right,
1: right, right. Okay.
0: And Takuma, I know you do something that's very different. Yep. (laughs) You You don't have any overseas staff, do you?
3: No, we have uh, two paper companies. One is in Hong Kong, and another one is in Seattle, Washington.
0: Oh, two paper companies. Yeah,
3: two paper. (laughs) Just for processing the tax and some, managing the the USD and some other currencies.
0: So I I know this is going to be really attractive to a lot of companies in Japan who want to go global. So how do you handle things like support? And customers that are coming in from America and, and Europe, how do you handle that from Japan?
3: Uh, every every how to say uh, every sales and the customer support is controlling every controlling from Japan, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> we just only providing the email based the user support customer support, but almost all the customer is says okay because the product is really niche. So please imagine, if you're going to buy the, some special ski equipment or... I'm sorry, Sh-
0: Shin and Ken are laughing at that. I think they would love <laughs> to get away with that. <laughs> That's okay.
3: <laughs> so the, uh, let's think about it. Uh, let's think about your, uh, everyone's their minds. If you're going to buy the, some niche product, they're buying directly from the US, directly buying from the China, the, maybe user support is only Chinese or English only, but almost all guys it says okay,
0: Right? Okay, I think that's really. Let me ask you: Do you think that will scale? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that what you're doing, this idea of having buyers who are just so fascinated with the product and who who think you have something that's cool and unique, yep. they'll put up with a lot. It's like running a Kickstarter campaign. Yes. <clears throat> but do you think that that can scale from say the thousands of units into tens of thousands or hundred thousands of units? Do, do you think that approach can scale up?
3: Our approach can be scalable because each product quantity is just only 20K pieces, 30K pieces, But we have uh, already 26 different products. Every product, if we can sell the 10K or 20K pieces, that's a huge amount of the revenue and the profit, right?
0: Absolutely. But what happens when there's global demand for a million units? Do you okay. sell the business division or...?
3: Um, we maybe the some of our products raising up uh, are around the millions of units. Maybe we're going to sell the the business unit to the Tamakawasan. san <laughs> 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 boss company. Or, no, 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 no. Your boss company, <laughs> or some other big company like a Sony, Panasonic, like this. Okay. So please
0: imagine. So my company is like uh, special ops. It's sort of like it's a, it's almost like a hardware accelerator, with a company wrapped around it. That's correct. Awesome. <laughs> now I think that's an awesome model, and it lets you do global sales and support using email and Kickstarter. And how awesome is that? Um, can I? Can I? One, can thing? Add one,
3: one additional. Absolutely. Uh, things. So, like, which trying a very curious and a very niche product. So once we are going to launch curious and very niche world-first product, the media guides, include you, is the picking up our product. And I can really easy to find the distributors in global. And once open the global door, we can find so many curious distributors. They are handling really curious things and really curious things.
0: Well, I, I think so. Shin, I know you and I talked about you had so much interest from distributors around the world, but you decided it was best to handle it all yourself and set up offices. So why did you decide to do that instead of going through distributors? Not, not
1: that we don't you know, deal with distributors. We do uh, deal with distributors. And we, actually we do have good partnerships with the many distributors in Japan. So what I mean is we need to have a hub in each region Uh, This is what we've done in Japan. We have a hub in Tokyo and then then we have certain team here then we Keep like, you know increasing number of you know partners distributors in Japan even so In order to do repeat the same thing in each region globally so what we what I mean is we need at least like one hub uh, you know office or team in in you know one place in Europe one in North America so you, you can know, control the message and control. right. right. The... And based on this hub, um, then we, you know, tr- try to you know establish <laughs> many, many partnerships around okay. that team.
0: Now, one thing that Shannon, Ken, you both mentioned earlier, you talked about the Japanese market as being very friendly and warm, and I think a lot of startups here might disagree with that, but it's um, <laughs> it's hard, but. I've noticed that foreign companies and foreign startups are coming into Japan earlier and earlier. And so 10, 20 years ago, people talked about Japan as being like this Galapagos, where it was this technological island where you know, companies could get away with doing things different here. But with foreign companies coming in earlier and earlier... Do you think the Japanese market's getting more competitive? And is that Galapagos effect disappearing here? Um, Ken, what do you you think?
2: I think, you know, the, I mean, in terms of like uh, foreign companies, you know, getting into the Japanese market, those like uh, Galapagos disappears because, you know, already many, many companies are using, uh, you know, the technology platform, like a common platform, right? Like iPhone, Android, you know, AWS, Azure, Google, and already many people know that, right? Okay. And but uh, I think most important part is you know how they can hire the best people in Japan. And, you know, the, actually, I, I'm not saying I'm the best people. I mean, but uh, I used to work, I mean, I, I used to work We're on all the... We're uh, trying to hire the best people. No, no, no.
0: That,
2: I, used to, <laughs> I used to work on the MBA in the US, right? Then I learned the English and also American culture. Then, you know, naturally, I worked for Amazon, you know, to introduce AWS technology into Japanese market. Because I... No Japanese market, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the, I think that's the most important part.
0: Well, I, so, I guess what you're saying is that the the infrastructure layer, whereas 30, 40 years ago, the infrastructure layer was unique to Japan,
2: whether yeah. it was I the mean, networks IMO, then, or you know, yeah, DeFi. exactly. Right?
0: And now that the infrastructure has gone global, mm-hmm. all these uh, smaller service offerings and SaaS companies. Have much, it's much easier to bring into Japan. Yeah,
2: like uh, Netflix, Hulu, and, you know, right. you can name,
0: right? So you think the Japanese market's going to get less warm and friendly? Well, <laughs> and language barrier is still high. So, okay. I mean, you know, how you know, they can handle with that. So that's it, like, you know. Shin, what do you, what do you think? Do you think the Galapagos is going away, or do you think that Japan will remain It unique? should.
1: I think it should. Of course, a lot of global, like, overseas companies are really coming to this, like, big... one of the you know biggest market in the world. Um, but what I mean by this, you know, um, this country market being so friendly is if you do something unique, like, like you know, all of us here, uh, we kind of sh- shine easier. Mm. <laughs> For example, like, I don't think I could... Like our company could stand up uh, as much in Silicon Valley because there are so many like, you know, great, like fancy idea startups are like so many of That's them true. are there.
0: So many startups with huge right. marketing right. and right. media budgets.
1: Yeah. Like crazy ideas. Right? right. So but in Japan, if we try to do something unique, you know, everybody likes it. <laughs> Initially it's kind of tough, you know. Everybody thought I'm I'm stupid and crazy when I tried to do, do the do la- laundry folding robot, but eventually l- later, like soon soon after they found, okay, this guy is unique, you know? Well, that's interesting cuz
0: you've yeah. been working on this laundroid for like 12 years or yeah, 12 <laughs> years. Yeah. So <laughs> stupid, wasting it, so much money. Well, no, no, I mean you're finally launching. I mean <laughs> Do you think the Japanese press is maybe, like, more skeptical of of crazy claims? Yeah, well,
1: but this is a good thing, right? Always, you know, when you want to, if you want to improve products, we, we always want to have, like, you know, monster customers and, you know, monster
0: market. So, but I noticed, like, in Silicon Valley, it is, I mean, if you read any of the big tech sites, it's... A lot of it is these startups you look at and go, that's, that's utter nonsense. This is not going to work. So during those, you know, say eight years where it wasn't working and it was just something, a crazy idea you were working on, was the Japanese press, did they think it was interesting and want to write about you? Or did they think, like, this guy's crazy, come back to us when you've got something that works?
1: <laughs> well. That was a kind of latter case at the beginning. <laughs> um, but uh, the good thing is, of course, we have to have a like, certain level of success to start with. It's, it's the same in anywhere in the world. But once we get reached a certain point, and Japanese medias, Japanese investors are more friendly than the U.S. ones, I think. Okay. Yeah.
0: So sort of once you prove yourself... All the doors open very quickly in Japan, yeah, I
1: think so, and then then once we need to really kind of get get moving you know in, in Japan, and then once we found okay, this is a way to go, we can do it then immediately we should go global
0: yeah well it, it seems like the whole idea of the 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 push to going global it's almost defensive now if that whole Galapagos is going away and if it's becoming easier for foreign companies to enter the market, it's a question of, do you go after them before they come after you?
1: Well, that, that I don't know. That is that I a little too
0: about... aggressive for a... <laughs>
1: <laughs> but one, one thing I can tell is, you know, uh, it's very simple, simple like math that, you know, the global market is like 60 times bigger than Japanese market in, in theory. And, and then when you write a business plan, to show to your investors, of course it's better to have you know bigger numbers, right? <laughs> <laughs> then you get more investment. <laughs> but if right. you have money, <laughs> yeah, time very 60. good point. So yeah. if you have more money,
0: then you simply can just do it, right? So okay, Takuma, you you are almost immune to Galapagos because you're creating such crazy products mm-hmm. on your own, but. Is your feeling also that the, the unique nature of the Japanese market, the Galapagos effect, is going away? Or do you think it's going to remain kind of, there's going to be unique aspects?
3: It's, it's remaining. The, some part is remaining, but some part it is already gone. So the, we are a hardware company. And some, how to say, it's a kitchen-based, kitchen cooking product is still Galapagos. Because every, it's not only Japan, it's every country's the cooking situation is completely different. The Chinese food and Japanese food and US-based food. But there's something like the digital gadget, like a smartphone, a smartwatch, and some the music player. These type of the uh, digital gadget, Garapagos are already gone. That's why uh, it depends the Japanese distributor and the resellers.
0: So it sounds like, I think, Ken, you, you really hit on it. Anything where there is a, a shared infrastructure, anything where there's a shared base between Japanese companies and foreign companies, it's very, very easy to come into Japan.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, in the, especially like technology-wise, you know, cloud resources, you know, the marketing resources, you know, social network resources, all most like free, right? And, yeah. you know, uh, globally fair, right? but uh kind of like a, you know we are doing like a telecom business right so if you look at the telecom business regulation is different so when we go into the US market we need to take care of the american law and also right. uh, also you know when we uh, going to the EU market, we thought like EU is like a, kind of like a united, right? But uh, uh, there are uh, very different, you know, <laughs> <laughs> regulation laws in each country, right?
0: So, so it, works <laughs> in, it works in theory. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, but uh, I mean, technology-wise, uh, as you said, you know, we can copy our software stack on the AWS, you know, within one hour to the from the Tokyo region to Frankfurt region or Oregon region, everywhere.
0: Okay, well, let me, let me turn that question around because, I mean, it's this great opportunity. I've got the, the CEOs of three of the most innovative hardware startups in Japan on stage here. And in the 80s and 90s, Japan was unquestionably the dominant player worldwide in hardware. Whether you were talking about consumer electronics, uh, the home appliances, uh, video gaming... Japan dominated all of it. And then, uh, in the later half of the 90s, 2000s, Japan lost its edge um, and, and really fell behind. So, I mean, rather than analyzing all the things that went wrong or could have gone wrong, do you think, I mean, obviously, your company's accepted, but do you think that Japan can turn it around and become a hardware leader again? And what's holding it back now? Shin, you want to jump in on that?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree that uh, when I was in high school, like, Sony's Walkman was the best, you know? Like, best in the world. And I was so excited, like, Japanese companies going so global. And I, I was always, like, uh, talking about, like, Japanese success stories. But nowadays, it's kind of not like that. Um, but... but uh, I think we we can do it again, I, I think.
0: Well, what has to happen? So, I mean, for, for example, in 1999 in America, Sony was the number one brand in America. It was better than Apple. It was better than GM. It was better than Microsoft. Sony was just dominant. So what has to happen before Japanese companies can start regaining that hardware leadership?
1: Well, uh... Ken and uh, Iwasa-san should fix <laughs> should that. <stand. laughs> well, well, the thing is, I think, like, someone like us has to really challenge hard. And then, hopefully, like, younger entrepreneurs will follow. So, I think it's just a matter of a lot of individuals deciding to do it? K- kind of like that. Just because, for example, like, now, um, you know, Landroy's development team is, you know, consisting of uh, 60 engineers right and the 40 out of 60s are the, the the guys from used to work for like Sony, Panasonic, Sharp,
0: Toshiba, Hitachi, JVC, Kenwood well that's always been the Japan has always had fantastic engineers and they oh, still yeah. do the problem is turning that engineering know-how into product
1: yeah like they they actually like they're like all like over 50 years old you cannot imagine like you know like seven dreamers is one of like you know fascinating like young engineers like paradise right but it's not like that it's like really old man's like <laughs> unbelievable like startup company it's an old engineer's paradise yeah, yeah old engineer's paradise and i was so worried you know i look at their vcs and they're so smart like unbelievable carriers but they're old right <laughs> And I, we are like really busy startups, so can they handle it, but they can. They are very healthy, and <laughs> they work so hard they they have speed and they have experiences, and unbelievably smart and all they needed to have was the theme like innovative theme, like new thing so to the try. vision
0: they were' they're, they're missing the vision right that that's what it is all right um. Takuma, I mean, you guys have a a lot. You've been putting out a steady stream of innovations. Is it? Do you really think it's just a matter of innovative innovative engineers with a vision stepping up and creating stuff? Is that all that's required? Um. So, do you think for Japan to become like a global leader, do you think that there needs to be some? Top down change or changes in the government? Or do you do you think like Shin was saying that all we have to do is individuals create companies, create products? What will be so, the trigger? So
3: the most important <laughs> it's not a dreamy answer. It's very <laughs> realistic answer is that's just the money. Want. Money? I think. Mean. <laughs> because the Silicon Valley and China has so huge money, amount of the money to spend in start up the scene. The Huawei has a huge amount of money. It's the same as the DJI, but it GoPro, it the same It, it can't
0: just be money because Sony and Sharp have huge amounts of money, but they couldn't put out creative No, products. no, no, okay,
3: okay. I, I have to follow up. So, money and entrepreneurship and age. <laughs> That's age? very important. So age like, older, younger? Sony, yeah, younger is better. Okay. It's the same as uh, the sans the, the opinion. I completely agree to him. So the young guys has a passion, and the young guys is healthy, <laughs> and, and they have the ideas, and they well known the global, and they can speak English as well, <laughs> and uh, but they doesn't have the money. And once because I I, I have I have been a so huge huge great relationship with the Chinese factory and entrepreneurs, and they have a passion and a young age and huge money. I think that's that's. <laughs> So don't, need, don't laugh at it. It's am no, no, really Money serious, serious. We need vision. We need money. Yes, and uh, and also once you're going to Google, the so Japanese startup scenes, the investing, the money, it's so small compared to the China and the U.S. That's very important. If yeah. we can get the huge amount of the money from the market or from the Japanese investors. We believe, I believe we can compete to the King, global King guys. King got it,
1: King got it. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so, Ken, I was yeah. going to, you and I, have, yeah, we've, I have, we've I talked have, about this before. Yeah, I have a so. different
2: view on this. Yeah. Like, uh, so, I think, in short, you know, software is eating the world, right? And, you know, um, I mean, so you guys know the DJI, right? Uh, drone company in China. So, they have like a really strong technology in hardware, though. But also, their core competency is software. So synthesize all of the hardware by software technology, right? So that's their competency. And those, you know, software business can scale, right? You know, compared with hardware business. So even like Amazon, Facebook, I mean, GAFA thing, they are all software company. And we need to make, you know, those next generation software company in Japan. Otherwise, you know,
0: I, th- I think it's true I think that and this is true in the case of all of your companies hardware companies now are much more software intensive exactly than they were in the 80s or 90s
3: mm-hmm. I can I cut in me? yeah so yeah, uh, Tamakan-san is the best friend for me <laughs> but this is a panel discussion I have to discuss yeah, no, So I, I'm, I'm saying you know yeah, uh, the, if we the, want to make like
2: a really huge company from Japan like you know Amazon we need to focus on software. That's that's my what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, global niche is good. Strategy and you know, but
3: DJI is a software company. I agree. But the, how about GoPro? GoPro is already alive 1兆円 How much I can calculate
2: It's, it? it's way up there Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but uh, yeah. They are struggling Right yeah,
3: like yeah. now <laughs> I don't, I don't but, think You can but, say but That people, GoPro Is
1: a bad how example many,
3: How many ten, 10 billion 10 billion yeah. 10 billion 10 billion, dollars, ten billion company yeah. How many 10 billion Company in Japan Just one time 10 billion That's huge Great success GoPro And also Fitbit As well They are They already 4 4,000億
0: Business, so that's so huge. So but actually, just, just to benchmark it, because I know that Shin and Ken, both of your companies, are extremely software-intensive. Um, also are, are most of your, your creations, your divisions, are they 80% hardware innovation and 20% hardware or 50-50? Or how much software is in your hardware? 80. <laughs> uh, 80% software?
3: <laughs> it's, it's joking, but
0: uh, I think mean 50 or 60. Okay, so because more than uh, our, half is
3: our, our product in uh, everyone's the current digital gadgets is 60% is software-based driven. Okay, wow. Yeah,
2: my, my point is, you know, kind of like a contribution portion of value added, addition is shifting to the software. So even like uh, we have a lot of good companies, you know, who have really good <coughs> technology in hardware. You can name, right? Sure. Keyens, Kien, Shimano, like Fanak. You know those companies are right now great, but uh, their core competency, if they focus on the hardware, losing right, yeah. Yeah. losing. So they need to shift to the software. And so that, that's okay. my concern.
3: Software and software-based experience as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So GoPro okay. is a ninety percent hardware company, but the their GoPro's experience came from the software. Once you're going to take a GoPro's movie and upload to the YouTube and the people's feels the, the GoPro's experience via the YouTube. YouTube is a software platform.
0: So what we really need is a little more vision, a lot more money, and more of a software engineering focus in Japan. Right. Excellent. Listen, before we open this up to Q&A, and by the way, uh, the mic is there, and we'll start Q&A in just a minute, so... If you've got some questions for these guys, please step over there. But before we wrap up, I just want to ask a really quick question. that What is the best short advice you could give to Japanese startup founders or foreign startup founders in Japan who want to sell globally? What, what's the best advice you could give them?
3: Can I please? Th- today? Just entry to the innovation award in ces (laughs) (laughs) so focus on the publicity (laughs) Uh, yes global publicity and today is a the limited date to enter the ces innovation award (laughs) (laughs) excellent ken what would you say
2: i would say the hiring the best people you know i mean each way
0: but that's i mean okay that's good advice but Everyone's trying to do that. So how do you know you've got the right people when you're hiring halfway around the world and you're competing with everyone else who wants to hire the best people? Well, that's, I mean, uh, we are working on that, right? <laughs> so, um, so I would say, like,
2: uh, don't, you know, uh, lower the bar over the hiring, you know. We should
0: raise the bar over the hiring, you know. So would you, would you delay a product launch into a new market until you found the right country head? Uh, well, you know, kind of like a startup, you know,
2: uh, we, we are making innovation with, you know, very few people. Then, you know, if you hire like a very junior person in the team, you know, kind of like a, that's damaged the team power, right? So okay. I, I would say, you know, hold the milestone and, you know, wait for the best people.
0: Okay, so put, put people over schedule. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that. Shin? How about you? Well, simply dream big. So basically, you have to have a vision to go global from the beginning. And once you have that, you you draw a business plan, you know, counting on the global sales, right? And once you promise that, then investors invest in us, right? Then once that happens, we have to do it, you know, (laughs) no matter what. Then we just redo it, right?
0: Okay, so the the same idea of of, of plan to be global, find that product market fit in Japan, and then push it out as quickly and aggressively as you can.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: Excellent. Well, listen, let's give our panel a huge hand and open it up for Q and A. Please step up to the mic.
4: Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, first, thank you to the, uh, to the panel, all four of you, for this show. It was very entertaining and also very informative. So for me, I'm Nofel. I'm from France, and I'm currently in international marketing at uh, Mitsubishi Fuso. Um, you talked about the fact that um, Japan needs to build the next generation software companies. And I, I feel like some of those companies already exist but they are struggling to scale. I think the best example is Rakuten, which is the Japan um, uh, equivalent to Amazon. And we've seen recently they have aggressively um, undertaken marketing actions like sponsoring especially with Barcelona and um, the old Golden State Warriors. What do you think Rakuten uh, lacks to actually go global and actually compete with Amazon on global markets?
0: So Rakuten specifically, or just large Japanese companies in
4: general? Uh, Rakuten specifically, and also, but like, both, I, I think. But okay. Rakuten is a good um,
0: example. Do you have any thoughts? You don't, you don't have to, like, dig into Rakuten specifically if you don't want to. <laughs> this is Japan. Harmony must be maintained. <laughs> I'll dig into them later, but I want to hear what... Um, yeah. Our, our quota is based in Futako Tamagawa,
2: so Rakuten is kind of a friend, so I cannot yeah, say yeah, anything yeah. about that. <laughs>
0: Let's talk, let, let's keep it general. So, large Japanese corporations, what, what can they do better to build that startup? Or, excuse me, that software architecture.
3: I think the purely software-based company, B2C software-based companies, is very difficult to go, go into the global market from Japan. Because B2C, the software, it's just a software, not the IoT devices. It's very difficult, easy to make it, compared to the hardware. So that's why the, we are trying the hardware, the software, the mixed. And the hardware is a little bit difficult to compare to the consumer-based software. So the, my answer is it's seriously difficult if they are trying to make uh, just a software or software-based platform. Okay. But once they are going to combine the combine some, the, the com, I have to say a little bit complex the hardware and the, some special equipment with the software, that's very easy to go out to the global market.
0: So basically, it's tough, but good luck.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, that's typical. The example is a Fitbit.
0: Okay. Yeah. Shin, do you do you want to weigh in on it?
1: Well, I don't know too much about Rakuten, but I think just they missed the timing. You know, good timing. You know, like Amazon and Rakuten in Japan had a, You know, they expanded in the right timing, but it's kind of too late mm. for them to go global. I think that's what what I what I think.
0: Uh, uh, I think the Rakuten, uh, I'm American, I, I'll, I don't pull punches. Um, no, I, I think that the, the, if you look at why Rakuten hasn't really built up a globally competitive software development infrastructure, um, they've, got a lot of, they've got plenty of good engineers there. Um, but what Rakuten is as a company, um, they found a niche in Japan, but they never found a similar product market fit outside Japan. So their software engineers are focused on filling that need and patching holes, and they don't have a unique value proposition that says this is the software we're selling, this is the pro- your problem, and this is how it solves it. So they're very strong in Japan because they've got that, that product market fit, but they they've struggled to find it overseas. So I think it's more of a lack of direction, it's certainly not a lack of talent. Come on up, next question. I have sort of a Philosophical question. Oh, I love and those. So Silicon Valley is the big believer in fail fast, fail often, and it, does that apply in Japan in the startup scene? Should it apply? I, I always felt that the Japanese market was very risk averse. So what's what's your reaction? Do you guys have you seen um, people who failed at startups? Have they had a hard time finding new jobs? Uh, what what's what what is the reaction of the Japanese? Society and business community towards people who have failed.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's getting closer, but definitely, obviously, historically in, in Japan, failure is a big thing. <coughs> and but but the recently, I think uh, we learn from you know overseas that the uh, you know the people who failed has a lot of value. So it's, I think it's changing.
0: Well, is, is, it, is it just a big company problem? I mean, would all of you, would you think twice about hiring the CEO of a startup that had failed in Japan? Would you be like, if his skills are good, would you be like, come on board? Or would it be, well, may, wait a minute? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Hire? We, we hired the guy yeah. who failed.
2: You know? Excellent. <laughs> yeah. But I would say that you know, those startups are still here. And, you know, kind of we intentionally took the style of Silicon Valley. So we wanted to make the company, like, you know, start-up technology company in Japan. So we took that style, though. I mean, actually, uh-huh. I call up my team member by the first name. Okay. So you know, everybody call me a Ken, not like Tamagawa-san. <laughs> so that's, you know, the way we took, right, intentionally. But uh,
0: I... I want to, you know, I got but many, many startups to do okay, that. That's yeah, that's excellent. I, I think it's, it's definitely getting better in Japan, but even in San Francisco, I, I, I think the fail fast, fail forward mantra is really kind of macho bullshit. Uh, everybody says it, but they don't do it. So, like, VCs are like, oh, yeah, I want to have a, a I want to invest in a founder that has failed, but not his last venture, like the one before that. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and so people talk about failure as like, yes, I failed, but then I sold my company for a million dollars, you know, a hundred million dollars. Like, nah, that's not failure, man. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I wish I could fail like that. <laughs> so I, I, I think that the fail fast, fail forward thing, um, as a philosophy, it's a good thing to kind of keep in your heart, but it's way overhyped. Failure sucks and it's difficult. And it's hard to bounce back from. But Ken, it's good to know because I might be looking for a job someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you do. <laughs> Come on up. Next question. Yeah, so some of you already talked about finding and hiring the best people. And I just want to ask more about the challenges
3: in the target in the talent market for startups in Japan and what were the challenges and
0: maybe describe what kind of employees you were looking for and how did you find them and what were the difficulties or challenges you experienced? Okay, that, that's kind of broad so let me try to focus that down can you guys name like one thing you do to help attract the best talent in japan like a a good piece of advice or a strategy for for hiring engineers in japan shin you've you've been at this the longest yeah um the
1: strategy like the the point of like hiring from our side or like
0: well, the, what advice, how do you attract really good people when there's so much competition from other startups and from big companies who are paying right. a lot well, more money than you are?
1: From our side, you know, in order to attract, you know, people, best way is you know, media attention.
0: <laughs> so Definitely. people want to join a cool company that's doing cool things.
1: Yeah, like, basically, uh, as, you know, more we get famous, the uh, more we attract people. It's a simple calculation, so... You know, the, So get the word out,
0: <laughs> yeah. word of mouth. Right. So Tim, it's, yeah.
3: it's completely the same the answer as the Sakane-san. So once the consumer electronics business people want to change the job to the startup company, just to Google it, maybe they, you can find only two companies, Seven Dreamers and the <laughs> <laughs> So
0: that's very, very important things. So people want to work for a cool company that's building cool, meaningful things. Can so, you know? Actually, we
2: are a little bit different. Um, you know, uh, actually, we don't, you know, uh, publish the job description. More like, you know, we focus on the position we want to hire. <laughs> then I'm going to ask all of the friends. You okay, know, so that's kind of a difference. Word you know. of mouth uh, recruiting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, so, yeah. So far, like we have way. only 45 people, so it's worked out right now. But uh, later, maybe we need to change like um, our strategy, though. But uh, As
0: you I mean, get bigger, I say, that's like, more and uh, more people to recruit for you, right? Uh-huh.
2: But uh, I would say like early stage of startups, you know, you should hire only the guy who you know uh, y- your network knows very well.
0: Okay, so someone you know, and that mm-hmm. your connections know. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. We've got time for one more question before we wrap up, so come on up to the mic. I'm the lucky winner. Oh You're my the lucky winner.
1: Well, I hope, I hope it's the same question we all had, but um, you talked about you have a lot of uh, local hubs, and you hire local, and you let them hire their teams, so the question that formed in my head was like, what are your communication challenges that you have with these groups?
0: Mm, good um, question.
1: And also, like, what does the global community need to understand about Japan to communicate Things like vision, decision making, and you know all the things that those things kind of entail.
0: Is that your question? Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Shin, you're, you've, you've got a pretty big global operation. How do you ensure like communications stay aligned and that? So basically, like it's the same as like
1: organizing the team in Japan. Um, so what, what's important is make responsibility clear what they can make decision, like, 100%, and what they cannot. What, what we want to tell them to do and what we don't want to tell them to do. Like, make these things, like, you know...
0: So it, what author- make it really clear what authority they have, what right, right. resources they yes. have
1: from the beginning. Right. The second, the <laughs> most important thing is to invite the leader of the region to Japan and give him the best sushi.
0: <laughs> no, this then, works. This yes. works. This definitely works. Yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> Ken? So, uh, we, we try to use the latest technology. Like, you know, actually, we prohibit email internally. Like, we, you know, stick to Slack communication. And, you know, all of the information inside is, you know, uh, exposed in this Slack. Wow. And also, we have, like, a practice we call daily sync, you know, Every day 11 a.m. You know everybody joining into the uh, conference call, and then you know before that you know our robot in Slack is asking questions like what did you do yesterday, what will you do today, and what you know you need help from team, and, you know, we are lighting, right? So then, you know, you can lead all of things, you know, within 10 minutes. And... Your, your project manager is a Slack bot. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's kind of cool, So I we try to, it's... you know, uh, re-innovate the, those, you know,
0: communication style. So that's, Excellent. Yeah. Takuma, I know, I think your advice might be not to have any foreign staff, but... Uh... <laughs>
3: And also, uh, our foreign staff can speak Japanese currently, so I can't answer this question. But but in the future, I have to to think about this.
0: Okay, excellent. Well, listen, please, let's give our panel uh, a big hand. So I just want to say thank you for coming out. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you all here again next year at our fourth anniversary. Thank you so much.